Tim and Tom. Tom, what a fun week of stuff that we're going to have to talk about. We've got Nick Jacobs, a 41 Action News content creator, I think he called himself, a coordinator or something like that. He's just a, he knows his stuff about football. And we're going to talk about the Chiefs draft. That obviously was a big deal. We won't get into it in this first segment because Nick Jacobs says it way better than we can in the second segment. He's been on before with our KC Sports updates. All around good dude. You've known him for a long time. So we're going to get into that heavy. But man, what did you do this week? I had a fantastic weekend. First off, uh, I got the satisfaction of buying household items that are not fun, but satisfying and very heartwarming when you get it for yourself. Toilet paper. I got, well, almost on that same level, I got a printer and a shredder. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just satisfying? Look at you, you adult. Well, so if you remember a few months back, we got a mattress from Nebraska Furniture Mart. Yep. With that came a $200, like, come back and spend more money, mm-hmm. right? So we got a printer, we got a shredder, and then I got the new UFC video game. Nice. Because I'm not fully an adult. No. And my friend Tim Elliott is in the video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good friend of mine, Mursad Bektik, is also in the game. It's his first time in the video game. Tim was in UFC 2. This is UFC 3. Been playing that. Very frustrating. Oh, I don't understand the submission system at all. Every time they put me in a submission, I don't know how to get out. I don't, And I've read it. I kid you not, Tim. I've read the damn manual 10 times. I've done the tutorial maybe 20. And then I go for a live fight. I put it on the hard because that's what I think an adult should play video games at is a hard. If you're playing it on easy or normal, like get over yourself. So I put it on hard <laughs> as you should. Yeah. And I get tapped out every freaking time. <laughs> every yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to break the controller. Oh my God. It just was so infuriating. I, I don't bet. get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I literally, not that I'm a master. Cause obviously I've only had the game for a couple weeks or maybe a week. Um, so I'm not a master at anything, but I'm pretty good at all the stand up, all the wrestling. Sure. Oh my God. And then they just get me. And I'm just like, like, I just start cussing and Emily's like, are you okay? Like as if I'm having like a heart attack or a stroke. Nope. I'm just getting put in an arm bar in a video game and it just mm, like, grinds my gear. Is this how you normally play video games? And you're like, shut up. I'm focusing. Well, no, it's just like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get it. This is it's why cheating. I feel stupid. The game is cheating. Yeah, it's yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, I computer I, cheats. I don't feel secure about my abilities to do this task. That is why I'm having this outburst. Okay, <laughs> I'm 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 upset. So <laughs> that was that. Okay, right. So I did those three things. The next two things were more pop culture things. Okay. Uh, first of which is uh, I saw the new Avengers Infinity War, Mm -hmm. right? Now, this is out of character. We have lamented comic book movies and just comic books in our past podcasting you know history yeah quite a bit we're not into the comic books we're not into those comic book movies but this one has been a big deal a lot of people talking about it obviously we're not gonna give spoilers but so you said all right i I gotta go see what everybody's talking about yeah i like to be part of the pop culture conversation obviously if you paid attention to any type of social media or you work in you know a public space you heard about the hype for this movie and then the subsequent uh reaction to it afterwards so for me, I was like, I'm not going to not experience this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I passed on Black Panther. I'm still a little bummed that I did that because it seems like that was a great movie and that 
we should see that. But so we passed on that. I didn't want to pass on this. Again, no spoilers. Got in my feelings. That's all I'll say. It was a roller coaster of emotion, and it was very funny. It was very just everything. Every type of emotion you could think you can experience in a movie, I experienced it in this. Very, very good. You haven't seen it yet, but yeah, like I said, I like when I was watching it, I didn't know Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I know who Benedict Cumberbatch is, but I didn't know who Doctor Strange was. I never saw any of the Galaxy. Uh, the, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So when I saw Batista, I was like, oh, it's Batista because I'm a pro wrestling fan. And they're like, oh, that's, I already forgot yeah. his name, Thrax or something. And I'm like, no, that's Batista. Yeah. He should Batista bomb that's Thanos. That's what he should do. Yeah, he should, yeah, he should give a Batista bomb to Thor. Bet he could. Let's see yeah. him try it. Right. And so, yeah, it was good. We actually, you know where we saw it though? Hmm. At Union Station. Oh, really? Yeah. All $5 right. tickets. Five dollar really? tickets. Yes. Oh, now here's here's the thing. There's only two showings a day, so it was okay. at noon and four. Okay. That's it. So they're not like running all right. these. You know. They're not a movie theater by trade, obviously. Right. And so yeah, we saw it uh, at the uh, Union Station. Fantastic nice. venue, obviously. Uh, fun seats. Uh, kids were there, and I hated that because, you know kids right (laughs) well little drunk babies running around just making noise i don't recommend ah let me backtrack or let me reflect on that yeah no i'm okay saying it i don't recommend children going to see this movie and when i say children i mean under the grade of two like second grade and under shouldn't see this so 10 and under probably shouldn't see it if we're right right yeah every cuss word except for the f word is used there's a middle finger and i was just like ah, i don't know like mm-hmm. for me i i don't i hate censorship right so mm-hmm. like censorship to me is like what mark twain said where an adult can't have a steak because a baby can't eat it i hate that yeah. right so like yeah. however i was kind of uncomfortable with like really he's just gonna flip off iron man no spoiler there but there's a scene where uh, Chris Pratt flips off uh, Iron Man, and I was like, "Really? There's a six-year-old behind me, yeah, and yeah. that's one of his favorite heroes." Yeah, I typically don't follow societal norms in that sort of a uh, using cuss words around my children kind of thing. I do it a lot more than most, probably. I don't know that at six I was necessarily doing that. Um, just kind of as they've become aware of like pop culture and things around them. I started kind of letting down my guard in there, but I've always stressed to them that like, look, man, I, I don't buy into this. You know, we've labeled seven words as bad. I care well, about I, what you're trying to say to me, but I, I throw that caveat on them. I'm like, by the way, though, when you go to school or you go to a function, the rest of the world does not think like this. You know what I mean? Like not many, and you're going to run to some problems if you use it. So you should be very careful or just avoid it. And two, if you're going to use it, don't use it in a, I'm using it to cuss at you, right? Like, I'm not telling you to F off just to F off, right? But if my kids, you know, if we're arguing or something because I'm telling him he didn't clean his room right, and he's like, I did F and pick that up, I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't, right. you know what I mean? But if he starts telling me F off, I did, well, now we've got a problem, right? So, yeah, so I, I can see what you're saying there, though. Bringing these young kids to a movie theater who maybe not, you know, haven't had that talk or that discussion seems a little odd. Well, and also, like in the context of that scene I described, they don't understand that the middle finger was more of a ha-ha, got ya, and not a I don't like you, look at this middle finger, right? So they don't understand that context, so they just see middle finger. 
Right. And so they could see like, oh, well, that means this when obviously it doesn't. And so that's why I was like, Meh. and then, yeah, some of the like in the first scene, I heard the word douchebag just right there. It was just uh. like douchebag. I was like, really? Uh. OK, cool. Right. Like this. But then, you know. <laughs> Three kicks to the back of my chair, and I look behind me, and it's a six-year-old. And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, maybe they shouldn't be seeing this." But like, stop it, douchebag! <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic movie. Really liked it. Highly recommend it. The next movie we're going to go see though is A Quiet Place. Oh, so yeah. I'll hopefully give you a uh, recap on next week's episode of that movie. Uh, looking forward to that ninety-minute thriller. Um, so yeah, that was basically my. Uh, Weekend in a nutshell. Tim and Tom. Tom, the weather turned, and that means some ranch work had to be done. So we busted out the mower for the first time for the season. We busted out the weed sprayer, put it on the back of the four-wheeler, and got out in the sun. I got a little redneck going on. Uh, I even tried. I went out looking ridiculous. I put on all like long sleeve shirt pants because i'm like you know what? i don't care you know i'll get a tan naturally by being out enough but i'm not trying to burn while i'm out here no matter how much sunscreen on i have irish white skin so i put on long sleeves uh hat handkerchief under the hat draped over my neck and still got burnt all over my neck it is it was blending down sun but uh we we did all that ranch and work all that hard work and stuff and then had two uh, youth soccer games to attend swim trunk my son it's not his real name two would be cool though Two victories, Tom. They are 5-1-0. They only lost their first game and haven't lost since, sitting at the top of the table, and they're coming up next weekend with the only team that's also 5-1-0, sitting at the top of the table. So this is it. We were at practice tonight. Coach was telling them, like, hey, this one, right? This is the one you guys want. This is the focus. This is where I need you to, to hit, right? This is where you fifth graders, this defines your lives. <laughs> I may have added that part. But um, so, our, you know, our weekend was mostly that kind of stuff. Working around the house, out there, weed eating, mowing, uh, spraying weeds. Uh, did go over to Adam, the neighbors. We talked about him. Had their first uh, open, you know, they have these fire pit parties. The first one of the season of that. Um, Listen to two KU fans talk about how their KU football coach is, is getting better and, and uh, making all these deep recruiting ties into Texas and is going to win three whole games this year. And I was just having a good old time listening to that, uh, reminding them that if he did that, he'd improve his output over the last four years by double. So, you know, <laughs> you know, throwing my little in- input in there. They were not a, they were not a pleased with that little fun fact. So uh, that was it, man, just enjoying the, uh, the family life and, and working on the ranch. Well, I like the idea that you thought that this one time you dressed up ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just this one time. I mean, any other yeah. times, you know, any other times, I, I look, you know, I, height of fashion. Yeah, we'll say that. Tim and Tom. The number one thing, at least in our world on, on Twitter, that is still making the rounds because it is meme galore worthy <laughs> is... Uh, as we talked about on the last episode of Tim and Tom, which was a special edition of the Spanish announce table with T-Mac and Captain Awesome, uh, we talked about the greatest Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And now let's just give you a quick recap. Overall, it was Not very house. <laughs> well, it was very house show worthy, right? Yes. So it was very like by the numbers. Okay, that's cool. Like you got a cool matchup with. 
uh, Triple H and John Cena. You got a cool finish. You did get a cool finish to the Intercontinental Championship match. Mm-hmm, the Seth mm-hmm. Rollins jumps off the top rope and just runs past Finn Balor to get the title. I thought that was really cool and original. Other yeah. than that, very by the numbers, right? However, entrant 39 in the greatest Royal Rumble of 50 entrants was the leader of Titus Worldwide, Titus O'Neil. Mm-hmm. And Titus O'Neil. Former is, Florida Gator, former, I mean, he's, he's a football player. D1 athlete. Too? Yeah. I don't know about that, but he was definitely a D1 athlete. Mm-hmm. He looks like an action figure, uh, charming, good looking, got Tall. the world. Yeah, got the world at his fingertips, could really be successful. Dad of the year a few he, years ago. Yeah, and he could speak well. Everything's fantastic. However, on this night uh, in Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, he runs down to make his entrance into the Royal Rumble, and he slips and falls and goes underneath the ring. He doesn't just fall. He falls and slides several feet all the way under the ring, which I have never seen in my life, and I've been watching wrestling for at least 35 years. Yeah, oh. and this is the slide of all slides. It was like a slip and slide was oh. on the entrance ramp. It was incredible. It was hilarious. It was, for lack of a better term, iconic. It will probably follow him for the rest of oh, his yeah. career. But man alive, was it not the funniest thing. I watched that thing probably 10 times, and then I've seen every meme from a slip and slide to him selling White Castle sliders now to all of the memes that have been made. Uh, And it is just fantastic. If you haven't seen it, even if you're not a wrestling fan, I definitely recommend you seeing it because at least you'll feel good about yourself. uh, (laughs) That This tall, good looking athletic man can fail just like us and do it on a on a stage way bigger than what we would do Mm -hmm. at our cubicle. Uh, So thought it was really funny. Thought it was great. Like I said, though, the greatest Royal Rumble overall. By the numbers, uh, very fun, enjoyable. What did you think about the Greatest Royal Rumble while we just kind of touch on um, this in the movie? The Greatest Royal Rumble, I thought the same thing. I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it was easy to digest. You kind of knew. I mean, we were fairly spot on on most of our predictions, I feel. It just kind of was, you know, we knew what to expect when WWE does something in a new territory or a big show for the first time. They, they kind of go chalk on their on their stuff. They don't go for much shock value. I was really, I liked the crowd was really into it the whole time. You know, we, we were, there's a common thing about Japanese crowds will ooh and ah over big moments, but they respect the performers. So they don't want to yell over them. Uh, right. Which, they sit on their hands. Right. Which sounds weird coming from us because we want to yell and scream the whole time over here. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, it was more along those lines. Nothing was say terse as some, you know, like Chicago and Philadelphia can get here in the United States. So I like that. It was neat. Um, I noticed, because we had mentioned about how there wasn't women allowed on the card, because Saudi Arabia is still there, but I did notice that they talked about their 2030 plan over there in Saudi Arabia, where they want to give the people more chance to govern themselves as far as like uh, determine some of these things, what they allow, Mm -hmm. while they still try to also, in doing so, hold to some of their traditional values. And so they're trying to shake that out, which shows a lot more openness to you know the Saudi Arabian government being saying okay well what do you guys really want instead of us telling you what's okay and letting religion dictate this so they're opening up more which what stuck out to me then was I was like well Saudi Arabia is doing that 
North Korea's meeting with South Korea and talking about denuclearizing. I was like, when did Saudi Arabia and North Korea become more reasonable than the United States? I was like, what is happening in this world? And then I couldn't let that go. I was watching yeah. for the rest of the show and I was like, what? I was like, what? It's 2018, year of the new idea, I guess. I don't even know. Yeah. But you know, 2018, so, year of the yeah. new idea. However, I will state this. Uh, so at my work, the Wall Street Journal gets uh, delivered every morning. So it's on our community like yeah. uh, lunch table. You know uh -huh. what I mean? In the break yeah. room. My coworkers don't watch wrestling. They, sure. they know of The Rock and Hulk Hogan. And that's about it. Maybe mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Anyhow, uh, so that Monday after the Greatest Royal Rumble, coworker of mine said, hey, I heard about your uh, Royal Rumble event this weekend. And I was like, you did? Mm -hmm. Did you hear about Titus falling? <laughs> She's like, no, I don't know what that is. I was like, okay, so then, all right, tell me what it is. Apparently, in the Wall Street Journal, it was reported that the Saudi Arabian government issued an apology because in one of their promo packages, WWE featured a woman, and that does not align with their values and ways of life. Mm -hmm. And so the Saudi Arabian government apologized to its people for what WWE did. Now here's the thing that I haven't seen yet. Haven't seen WWE say, Oh yeah, our bad. Right. Yeah. And, and they're I supposed uh, to be going back in November. They are. And I, you know, I, I wonder if some of that was, was made clear in the advance of like, Hey, we understand your values are, you don't want women performing and stuff like that. And they may have apologized directly to the Saudi Arabian government. We missed that. We screwed up. But they may have, you know, they may have also said, we're not going to apologize for women doing that. Right? You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to, it's not our values and we're not, you know what I mean? Like, so maybe there's something to that. But yeah, there's not even been a, oh, sorry, we didn't intend for that to be in the video package. That was a gross oversight, anything like that. Yeah. It could, it could have been one of those things where you ask for forgiveness later, right? When you when you know you're going to yeah. disobey the, the agreement between the two parties and you're like, you know what? I don't care. We're going to do it and then whatever happens, we'll deal with it later. Could have been one of those, which if it is. Check cleared already. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, we shall see if the event as scheduled goes off in uh, November and how that will look. Um, but yeah, this one, like we said, by the numbers was fun, but definitely go check out Titus Falling because falling is always funny. It is that always is funny. Yeah. Always funny. Tim and Tom. I think the biggest news story of this week has been, and it's kind of almost several things wrapped up into one now. I feel like we're watching a mental train wreck unfold in front of us. It's the whole Kanye West debacle that started happening. It started with a photo surfacing that Kanye West posted him hanging out with some friends and uh, he's wearing a make America great again hat, which as you could probably guess, doesn't gel well with a whole lot of black folks, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they're not really, or many people of color, or even people not of color. Uh, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It really kind of doesn't gel well with us. Even we're kind of like, eh, boy, Kanye, um, you know, and it's, you know, that's one thing. It's whatever we've known. He's been a, a Trump, guy you know but he rightfully caught a lot of flack for it and then that exploded and then we see chance the rapper sends him a message saying black people don't have to be democrats which chance the rapper later comes out like whoa man that's not what i meant guys i don't you know what i mean like he had to do a big mea culpa which eh, we'll see if that's really true or not or if you're just realizing he may be in a little bit of flack also i don't know um 
I don't know, man. What do you make of of this from the start? The obviously, you know, Kanye's, you know, he can wear a hat, obviously. But what, what do you make of that situation before we dig into some of the stuff that's happened since? Well, so first off, uh, remember this as well that goes along with all of a sudden Kanye is back in a Make America Great Again hat, right? He put out a song a day later called Ye, which apparently that's his, we can't say full names anymore. It's not Kanye. It's right. Ye. Ye versus the people. And if you haven't heard it, it's a bad song. However, it's T.I., and Kanye going back and forth, uh, basically just having that discussion about society where Kanye is saying, Hey, we could all get along, you know, stop with this. You have to do this. I'm in this box. And then T.I. honestly coming right back at him and saying, you seem like a sellout. You seem like you're doing this uh, because maybe you're getting a check from him that we don't know about. And, it's a very honest song. It's a bad song. Like I said, the music sucks. Uh, it's not lyrically great. However, it's a fun conversation, right? Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. So maybe the hat was a ploy to get you to oh, listen sure. to the song. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's take that with a grain of salt. However, what Kanye said, and even what Chance the Rapper said, I agree to. I agree with to a certain extent, oh, right? Yeah. So first off, not black people or any race has mm-hmm. to be a party. Of right? course. Right. Like black people don't have to be Democrats. White people don't I have to be Republicans. Shouldn't label yourself as such any damn way, as far as I'm concerned. But. Yeah. Well, that goes to a larger point. <laughs> right. Why we run in gangs and act like that's okay. Um, so that's that, right? So there is that. But like what you said to kind of start this whole Kanye story after story after mm-hmm. story, and there's another story we'll get into in just a second. But it does seem like he is going through this mm-hmm. another round of a mental lapse, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know what? People are going to put a microphone in my in my face. I don't want it to happen. They're making me do it. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to say the most outlandish thing mm-hmm. in hopes of one or two things happening. Either one, you t- and this is my opinion here. One, you take that microwave microphone away from my face, right? So Kanye right. is saying like I'm done with this. And like do it one more time. All right, cool. Boom, I'm going to say some yeah. outlandish thing that makes About you stop. About Obama in Chicago, right? Like is right. that yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or two, it's I'm crying out for help. Mm-hmm. I really need someone to come save me. I have too much ego and pride to essentially just say that. So I'm going to keep saying things until someone calls me. And whoever yeah. that person is, maybe it is a chance or ever. Maybe John it's a Legend nod. has been held, you know, all on him, yeah. Right. Uh, another person that keeps getting mentioned in all of these interviews is a Jay-Z. Maybe it's a Jay-Z phone call. That is what he's looking for. And he's so he's saying all these crazy outlandish things. Um, so it's, I, I believe it's one of those two things, but it's sad. However, in this 24 hour news cycle where content is king, let's just grab that pony and keep walking around the, the stable mm. so that everyone gets a look. And that's what I feel like we're doing. Cause it's obvious yeah. that this guy, this guy, Okay. He has friends, right? He's married. He has children. So I don't think this guy needs to be committed. Right. I just think he's a little bit different than me and you. And that goes to my theory that no one famous is normal. Mm -hmm. 
So let's have some let's take a step back and stop with the like, oh my god, what is he gonna do? He's fine. He's fine, but yeah. he he just needs some help, I think. Well here I think also what's happening is A, yes. Uh, and and we're gonna dig into the, the deeper part of the story here is since his mother's son death after a plastic surgery that he's blamed the doctor for. Uh, even tried to sue him that the lawyers eventually dropped, and we, maybe we'll talk about that a little more too. But um, since that moment years ago, he had had very public, notable mental breakdowns. And he says he's in a better spot now. What we're seeing wouldn't necessarily indicate that to, obviously, we're uh, uh, Tim and Tom are not mental health professionals. Or but Kanye's friends. Or Kanye's friends. So, yeah, I mean, could some of it be publicity? But as far as, like, the political stuff... So he's hanging out with some of the, you know, he hangs out with Trump. He hangs out with some of these, you know, right wing, you know, think tank guys. And it's, he's showing it even, I mean, people he's sending, he's tweeting out pictures of the direct messages. Some people are sending him, they're sending him stuff, telling him, uh, the Republicans freed the slaves, right? Lincoln, that whole tired, used, worthless line. Uh, forgive me for, in, 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 you know, injecting my own politics in this, but, um, He's tweeting that out. And then John Legend is going, whoa, man. You know what I mean? Like reaching out to him saying, hey, man, you got to think about this, 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 and this. And he's like, oh, okay. I'm gonna, like he's clearly very impressionable right now, right? So, oh, yeah. So it's also whoever's feeding him some of this junk should stop, right? You should stop, whoever you well, are. Well, that, that goes again to what I believe is that, like I said, with the analogy of, you know, grab the pony and take it around the stable yeah. right so the like leave the pony in this example leave the yes. pony alone nope we got to get them all the way over to this side so yeah. hey this is another fun thing yeah. say this say that and then and it's, perform it's, for us it's one thing if you started it right you're this guy you're one of those you know make america great again guys that have been talking to him and you're telling him these things because you honestly feel that right who knows man maybe i'm wrong right maybe you're right maybe <laughs> maybe the republican party uh, that we know today is really the really civil rights leaders, right? They're really the ones who care about you, right? That's what they tell us all the time. So whatever, right? Okay, cool, right? Uh, we're going to take that at face value. But now you see everything that's unfolding and you're still engaging in this, realizing that, oh man, you know, now it feels like you know you're playing him like a puppet mm-hmm. and you should stop. What also got to me was, so the fallout from that was pretty big, obviously, right? I mean, he says this. A lot of people, a lot of black people, a lot of even white people, just anybody who are, you know, very adamant that Trump is evil or bad, uh, lambasted him. I mean, just dug into him. Well, then you got, of course, who's going to come to his aid? His family and his friends, right? So Chance the Rapper goes, hey, man, you know, know, black people don't got to be Democrats. And what stuck out to me about that was, hey, man, it's not about Republican or Democrat to me. I think Republicans should be grossed out by this moron who's sitting in our presidency. But whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? Cool. Pick your mm-hmm. side and, and deal with it no matter what. Ignore this this, this <laughs> narcissistic guy who's been a joke of a human being my whole entire life. People made fun of that guy. He was the epitome of gross, narcissistic, filthy, rich kid who grew up with, you know what I mean, everything given to him. That puts name and gold letters on things. Well, that was been a known joke, but here we go ahead and pick that side of, well, nope, now he says the thing that I like, and, you know, yeah, everything else I can overlook it. Never mind that, but whatever. So he does that. Also, his wife comes to his aid, Kim Kardashian, right? As she would, right? But I want to hone in on something that she specifically said in one of her tweets, right? She's like, guys, look, 
She's not. He's not saying he agrees with Trump. He's just saying that's his friend, and he's supporting his friend, right? And he's even saying that, like, I don't have to agree with him to support him. And then she said, it's just his opinion. I believe everyone is allowed to have their own opinion. And I kind of lost it, Tom. I even sent this to you because I hear <laughs> that phrase so many times. People go, well, it's just my opinion. I'm allowed to have my opinion. I can say what I want. Yes. Yes. Kim Kardashian. Yes. He is allowed to have his opinion. What I want you to tell me is why you think anybody disallowed that. He did not get arrested. He didn't have to stand up there while somebody pointed a gun to him and go, I took it back. I didn't mean it. He just stated his opinion, and now everyone else is doing the same in return. So the only reason you would say that is to tell people that they shouldn't have an opinion about his opinion. So, Kim Kardashian, you are doing the exact thing you're telling people they shouldn't be doing. Stop that saying a, that phrase, people. Yeah, God. that's 100% spot on. I mean, <laughs> I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's exactly that. It's the, I'm going to state my opinion. I'm going to throw this grenade in a, a conversation. Yeah. But if anyone comes back on me, then it's your fault. Now you're attacking me and yeah. you can't do that. And it was like, no, you did this first. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who started this? You're and then not, now my yeah. reaction is valid for what you did. But now you're saying it's not because everyone has, you know what? You know who says that? You know who the mm -hmm. people who say it's like, the people who say, hey, everyone has an opinion or agree to disagree. You know who says that? Mm. Losers in an argument. Yeah. That's what's yeah. happening. Right. That's what you're doing. And it's, really? yeah, it's just so yeah. annoying. I, I can't stand it. I it is mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling. Let's get into another thing. Mm. Uh, and this will be maybe our last Kanye story. Uh, but it was reported today, as of this recording, May 1st, 2018, um, uh, the year of the new idea. Kanye West says, and I quote, slavery sounds like a choice. Mm. You're trying to tell me that for 4,000 years you had all of y'all and you did nothing? That sounds like a choice. Mm. Now, a, a guy came back to him and said, like, basically, hey, man, that's so unfair of you to say it was a black man who, who uh, of TMZ who uh, basically responded to this in person, in face to face too. Credit to him for having the guts to, you know, go to the mighty Kanye and just say that right to his face. However, this is the point I want to bring up. The guy starts with, and maybe it was a little bit of intimidation because you are going at Kanye, right? Like it's hard to like talk to your boss about an issue you're having at work, or it's right. hard to talk to a famous person just in general because of that whole social construct. So maybe I'm giving a little bit, I'm being a little bit too harsh on this guy. However, it's kind of like what you said with the Kim Kardashian thing. He said, Hey, man, you can say and believe whatever you want, but slavery wasn't a choice. And then he goes on and stuff. This is what I want to bring up. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't just say and believe whatever you want. Now, I mean, yes, you can. You can shut your door, live in your house, think all the weirdest things, think that the sun is made of Cheetos and all of that, right? I don't right. care. But in the social conversation yeah. – no, you're not allowed. You're not allowed. It's these it's these dumb people and it's on us, really. Mm -hmm. the, and I'm and I'm going to quote say the, you know, the fact 
people. Mm-hmm. It's on us a little bit because what we're doing is these, for example, Holocaust deniers, right? These Holocaust deniers go like, so let's just hi- hypothetically say in, in a social conversation we're speaking about, and let's just say even slavery, right? Yeah. Facts that have happened. And yes, winners do write history. However, we know that these events actually happened. It was reported by the, by more than one source, right? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're just, you know, teaching history and someone goes like slavery is an option or Holocaust didn't happen. You can't just be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me more. No, no. you say, stop it. Cause that's how society works. We're based off of facts and I get that facts are always changing. Right. Mm -hmm. So for example, for example, at one time it was a fact that the world was flat and then as more information was gathered, the world was round. However, in another example, when they said sugar causes cancer, right? Mm -hmm. And you said sugar causes cancer. Okay. I'm, you know, going to stop sugar. Right. Right. And then they said, well, actually, you know, sugar, that's not true. Right. Like it's not a hundred percent factual. Okay. Then that's the part of being a human. That's an involvement of new information. Right. So you can, believe in facts, right? Everything has an outlier. Everything is a little bit of a caveat, right? But a fact is a fact is a fact. So you believe facts. Then if people smarter than you, because fun fact, you're not the smartest person in the world, Mm -hmm. tell you that fact is not true anymore. And actually it is X, Y, and Z. Then you evolve with it. However, you have to have a baseline of facts to interact with people. If all just saying like, well, you know, maybe the Holocaust didn't happen. Or, yeah, you know what? Slavery, it was a choice. There was that one slave that chose to stay with his master after slavery was ended. There was that one – I can't even think of what I could say to make the Holocaust not happen. But you get what I'm saying. Like there's outliers, but you don't give credence and you don't allow that conversation to have merit because what you do is it spreads like a wildfire. And then that's when you have two separate realities. And that's what we're living in right now. Why? Mm. Right. That's why we have Fox news. And that's why we have MSNBC. It's because no one checks these people Mm -hmm. and they just say like, well, no, you're, you're totally allowed to believe what you want. No, no. A fact is a fact is a fact. If someone punches someone in the face, they punched him in the face. It yeah. wasn't my fist got up crazy and 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 struck your 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 face. So obviously I didn't do anything wrong. No, a fact is a fact is a fact. That's how you live in a society well, of people that are not like you. I would get into this a lot, and and I've had to kind of back off of some you know super political discussions and stuff because of these things. I can't let that go. I can't let these little twisted words. Uh, BS talking points, uh, you know, the, the use of semantics to say something that's not really true. I can't let it go without calling it out. And I don't care who you are or what you mean to me. Right. I mean, I've had major arguments with my father over things and I'll have a couple of examples out of this, but like, let's talk about this. Well, I'm allowed to say what I want. I'm allowed to have my opinions. Sure, man. Your first amendment rights give you that, but you know what that protects you from being arrested for it. It does not protect you from public scorn from it. It does not protect me or you from calling you an a-hole for it or telling you that you're wrong. It does not protect you from that at all, nor does it protect anybody else. So if you hear somebody doing that, it's on you, like you said, Tom, to say something for this. So like Kanye, the whole uh, slavery sounds like a choice. All of y'all and y'all did nothing. Kanye, 
You think they did nothing? Nothing? The Underground Railroad. They got whipped. All those murders in front of their, you know, in front of their families. Uh, chains. The, you know what well, I mean? Like, nothing, huh? They did nothing? Nothing? That's what you're going to well, say? This is what you have to call out for people, man. Point out their stupid stupid moronic comments man right and you don't have to do it in the tone that we're yelling at right now at you however it is important because another thing kanye and this goes we're going into really big topics here so maybe we'll scale it back but i do want to point out one thing (laughs) too uh maybe kanye doesn't know that there was an underground railroad right right. because what you're doing by letting everyone so two things that you do when you take away funding from public education and you put in teachers who are overworked, overstressed, and now armed uh, to teach the youth, Ugh. you're not going to get them to give the best education. So then people start forming their own opinion. And then two, like I stated, when you say everyone's point is valid, because I get more mad I don't get more mad with the medical stuff, right? Because the medical stuff is always evolving, right? There's always trials. There's always tests. There's always future things. Like I just said, the sugar causes cancer. Now it does it, right? That's a Mm -hmm. thing where I can take it. I'll believe it. If it changes, okay. But going in the past, and again, I know winners write history. However, the subject of slavery is a fact. Right, right. That happened. White (laughs) people took black people away from their land and made them property to work for them. And not that, some black people were involved in it also, but it happened. Yeah, yeah, it happened. It wasn't their choice. Exactly. So, so for you to say, Oh no, no, that, that sounds like a choice. You have to be scorned. You have to be, you, you have to walk Kanye into this. Go, okay, Kanye. So what you're telling me is all these people went, oh, I got to get on the boat. Okay. Oh, I got to sit in this thing. Okay. It, you got to walk these people through the thing. Like, connect the dots, man. Connect them. Go, yeah. oh, oh, that means, so f- to go from A to Z, you've got to walk through. A means B, means C, means D, means E, mm-hmm. means F, and you'll see how it breaks down. I had this argument with my father over climate change. And he discussed why climate change is a hoax. It's BS because all they did was they used this data and they put it into computer models. And I said, Dad, think about this. What do you think a computer model does? Just pull something randomly out using no other information? No, there's scientific data points that they put into this, man. Like, these are the things that people aren't like, people are just... Because of this, this pro- proliferation of just, well, you know, everybody's allowed to say what they want and it's valid and blah, blah, blah. So now people go, oh, well, that guy said it must be true. And they just go, well, he said this one thing. We, we've got to encourage the deep thinking again. The slow it down. Think about the steps. Go f- into this. What? Yes, you say, well, this and this. Well, but would that cause this, which caused this, which caused this, which caused this? That's where you start to see, oh, no, this is BS. I feel like we're losing Mm -hmm. that. I feel like we're losing it. And I don't know what to do about it. Well, we're losing it because everyone is okay with telling your opinion, even though we're talking about facts, Mm -hmm. i.e. slavery. Right. And also our education system is over, like is failing us. And this isn't just an America thing. It's at a, like there are Europeans who probably Mm -hmm. think that slavery was a choice as well. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's not just here. And, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's happening now. It's happening now around the world. Somebody take Kanye to one of these worlds where they're still doing that. They're still human trafficking, man. 
and go mm-hmm. go find some of these people. There was a news story where 13 people were just released from human trafficking, which is slavery. Right. Go ask them if they thought they had a choice in the matter. Yep. Like, come on, exactly. man. So, yeah. <laughs> Where let's go back to our first point though. Yes, it does definitely seem like, and and going back to what I was saying at first, where I think Kanye is either doing one or two, one of two things, either one saying the most outlandish things to say, you really want to put that microphone back in my face. Cause I'll uh, say another crazy thing. Oh, he's doing it on Twitter a, on his own. I mean, right. Or yeah. it's a cry for help. Right. The, I think the Twitter thing is a cry for help. I think the TMZ thing is a, I don't really want to do TMZ live. So, you know what we're going to say? We're going to say crazy stuff. Right. Yeah, right. And, and so, it, but, but, but going to my point, when you respond to someone who says something stupid, you don't say first off. And again, I'm being a little bit too harsh because it is Kanye. He is a, TMZ staffer. So the social construct and power construct is different. However, you cannot say like, Hey, you can say and believe whatever you want. Cause no, you can't right. not in a social conversation because facts are facts are facts. And that's how a society works. If you're not going to say that facts are facts are facts, then we're just going to start making up everything. And then guess what happens? Then everyone is confused. And then that's when you become a sheep and the powerful sit on the sidelines, let you kill off each other and then take over. Mm-hmm. That's it. It'll all be Kanye's fault. Tim and Tom. All right. We've got to calm ourselves down. We're going to go take a break. We're going to shake our fists at the world. And then we will come back and we're going to talk to Nick Jacobs, 41 action news chiefs draft. It happened. Uh, well, the NFL draft happened. The chiefs made some picks, uh, and, Nick's going to tell us if he thinks they're good or not and, and some info about them. And, and we get into all sorts of stuff about it. And uh, we'll just do that when we return to Tim and Tom. And fun fact, before I give you my fun fact, Nick is going to share his opinion. That's not a fact. Get that? Yeah. People. Although there are all some right. facts involved. Right. But anyhow. Yeah. Fun fact. According to scientists, farting helps reduce high blood pressure. Trust and believe. I spend my days in the dirt before I spend a day on my knees. Work it out until it hurt. They see me maxing out. It's a breeze. Keep it real. Ain't no discussion. I just saying do as I please. Wear my heart on my sleeve. You can trust and believe. Spend my days in the dirt before I spend a day on my knees. Work it out until it hurt. They see me maxing out. It's a breeze. Keep it real. Ain't no discussion. I just saying do as I please. Wear my heart on my sleeve. You can trust and believe me they never said it was easy it wasn't working because i wasn't working was wishing like i had a genie tim and tom this episode of tim and tom is brought to you by your business tim and tom's listeners could be hearing about your business right now they could be hearing your business's address or your business's website address or even your business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about your business, contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. The NFL draft was this past week. Uh, We are joined now by Nick Jacobs, our Kansas City Chiefs expert for Tim and Tom, giving you the best information about the Chiefs and their draft picks. First off, Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I mean, you know, it's always been my dream on a Tuesday at 730 to be sitting in a JCPenney's parking lot, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's where my life's headed right now. (laughs) 
Well, I'm glad we could give you something to do while you were there. I know you were just planning on hanging yeah. out all night, so. You know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get right into the draft. And before we get into the Chiefs picks, I want to ask you more from a broad standpoint. The number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. with the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know we're going to get into the Chiefs picks, and that's definitely the focus of what we're going to talk about. But this number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, is this such a Cleveland move, or is this a good move? You know, it's to basically say it's a John Dorsey move. Like, a Cleveland move would have been, like, Josh Allen from Wyoming, a guy who's got a big arm but terrible accuracy and has some questionable issues that came to light on Twitter the week of the draft. So, from that aspect, Josh Allen would have been the Cleveland type of move that they could have made. Now, Baker, Baker Mayfield, that's a John Dorsey type move. And the reason I say that is because the thing I learned about Dorsey while he was here is he loved Johnny Manziel. He really liked Johnny Manziel, and he kind of hinted from time to time that Manziel reminded him of Brett Favre, and he had that Brett Favre kind of ad-lib ability, get outside the pocket, ad-lib, chuck it downfield, and just kind of had that fearlessness about him, mm-hmm. and that, that teammates just loved that. And so John, John, it just it always felt like John was on a quest to find the next Brett Favre. And I, I know I'm saying, I know people, some people that follow football are like, well, Aaron Murray wasn't that, and Alex Smith wasn't that, and Chase Daniel wasn't that. Yeah, you're right, because that's, that's what fit Andy Reid's system. So they had to get accurate quarterbacks that fit Andy. But Pat, Patrick Mahomes, there's some farb there. So I wasn't surprised when they took Mahomes over to Sean Watson, because Patrick Mahomes has that gunslinger mentality. He can chuck it downfield like Favre could effortlessly. And... Now you look at Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has that same similar mentality. Do I think Baker's going to be that? I mean, in all honesty, like his floor is going to be Johnny Manziel and his ceiling. If everything went right and he had proper coaching, great teammates, just a great support system, then he could become the next Drew Brees. But I mean, that's that's quite a difference on that spectrum mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of what he can and can't be. Baker Mayfield, I, being a K State fan, I saw enough of him to to make me want him not anywhere near any teams that I like. So I'm kind of glad he's not, say, in our division now. Uh, but I think you're right in that assessment where, like he was on Oklahoma, where every piece around you is solid, right? And the coaching is mm-hmm. good. And so you know there's going to be success as long as he doesn't make stupid mistakes. But we are talking about Cleveland. I mean, we've spent whole portions of our show talking about how Cleveland makes, you know, Cleveland moves. So we'll see in that regard. But what we're here to talk about is these Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody's hyped about this uh, upcoming season because of Patrick Mahomes, who you referenced earlier, and because the Royals suck and we're just ready to just kind of move on and put that already behind us. So let's get into this. We didn't have a first round pick, so that was a little rough waiting through the the first round days. And why is that? Because maybe this is something that the casual fan missed. Why didn't the Kansas City Chiefs have a first-round draft pick this year? Well, for, for the casual fan, the reason they didn't is because the Chiefs aggressively traded up to get Pat uh, Patrick Mahomes the previous year in 2017. So to get him, the going rate for a quarterback at that time because there weren't as many out there and not as many as teams coveted, they were able to, if you wanted a quarterback last year, you had to get, in all honesty, in the top three. Mm-hmm. You had to get one of the top three guys. You had to position yourself to get Mitch Trubisky or to get Pat Mahomes or to get Deshaun Watson. And in Patrick Mahomes' case, he was actually the most coveted quarterback of the three now that kind of time's passed and people have talked more about what happened draft night. 
there were the New Orleans Saints were actually trying to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So the Saints going the Saints were higher up in the first round than the Chiefs were. Chiefs were further back into the mid twenties. The Saints, I believe, were a little bit a little bit further up there to where I don't think they thought they had to give up a first round pick the following year to do it. And they uh, they weren't really willing to. I don't think they were really willing to do that as well. So because of that, they I don't I think they tried to call um, the Bills bluff at that time, who had the tenth overall pick. And I, I think they're like, yeah, you don't have another team. We're not giving that up. And then they're like, oh, okay. So they they actually did. Well, they're one of our uh, future quarterback. And then as soon as that happened, then you saw the Texans move up. And then the Texans took Deshaun Watson. And so it was a boom, 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 one, two, three thing. Right there in those three picks is how quickly teams moved up and how they identified aggressively what position to move to get that spot. It's actually a little bit impressive to see how NFL teams, once you find out after the fact how they work mm-hmm. and how they're able to guess what slotting part where a, where a quarterback is going to go, where they're like, okay, we got to be at 10 if we want this guy. We got to be at this number if we want this guy, and I think that's something that's kind of an art form that I don't think fans get to see enough of. And in all actuality, it actually came out this morning, according to Baker Mayfield's agent, that the Patriots were waiting, and if the Browns didn't take him at one, the Patriots were going to take both both of their first round picks, and they were going to trade up to number two and take Baker Mayfield to be Tom Brady's heir apparent. And and they knew they had to get, and that's the thing, they knew the Jets needed a quarterback at three. Mm-hmm. And they knew the Browns needed a quarterback at one, so they knew that magic number was going to be two with the Giants to be able to do that. But they knew they were going to have to give up at least four picks from where they were to get up to that spot because of that running back uh, Sankey from Penn State. And just the Giants are like, "Well, we covered this guy, so what are you going to give us for it?" And right. you know, that's just kind of it. Just all depends on the draft because obviously in 2013 with Eric Fisher. That number one spot wasn't half as coveted as it, right. as it was this year. Uh huh. And yeah, I you know time will tell. Obviously, if he's boom or bust uh, regarding Patrick Mahomes, but uh, I don't think if he's as successful as everybody claims he can be, then I don't think in hindsight anybody would blink twice at giving up a you know two first round picks as it were. Agreed. Yeah. If you're if you have the chance to get a franchise quarterback, the next Rodgers, the next Roethlisberger, the next Brady or Peyton Manning then you you have to give it up and you have to be willing to give it up because that's the difference maker between you going to the Super Bowl or you sitting at home on your couch getting to watch the uh, Super Bowl with chips and dip. <laughs> right, yeah. Or watching uh, the other team throw a touchdown to their own quarterback to beat you in a, in a first-round playoff game, but whatever. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on into what the Chiefs did get. Now, they were in the second round. Uh, but they were a little bit lower than what they ended up picking at because they traded up uh, with the Bengals to go up and get Breland Speaks out of Ole Miss, a defensive end, which we're going to discuss a defensive theme throughout the draft here. But this is a big old boy. I think he's 283 pounds and looks like a heavy hitter. What do we know about him? Well, with Breland Speaks, uh, the biggest thing about him is that he he's powerful. Mm-hmm. He's a very powerful man, and that's kind of the biggest thing with him. The, the fact that they lost Tomba, they want some more power there, and the fact Justin Houston really doesn't have that. He he doesn't have his, his knee that he injured a couple of years ago. It it doesn't appear right now to have that same fluidity to it, to where he could sharply change directions without issues. He looks a little bit stiffer, and I I kind of wonder at times if that if it still bothers him to an extent, or he just doesn't feel comfortable or confident with it. Because anybody who's ever had knee surgery. You kind of you kind of have that feeling for a while where 
some of it mentally in your head, you always kind of wonder, hey, is this going to give out? Because you never forget the first time your knee gives out on you. Mm-hmm. And you just that, just that fear and that uh, nervousness that you have. And so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, the, if some was a little mental. Um, but overall, they, they needed another run defense guy that could set the edge, could help stop the run and keep maintain the line of scrimmage and not get knocked uh, 10 yards back off the ball. And Breland helps do that. But he also, they like the fact that they feel like he's a power rusher and they don't want as much, uh, Brett Beach clearly doesn't want as much finesse as he said, because he made a comment in his presser where he says, you know, I, I don't necessarily want the guy that runs 4-5 and runs around people. I want the, I'll take the guy that runs a 4-8 and run, and, you know, and runs through people. Right, well, not 4 or 8 guys whole, over. <laughs> yeah, right, and, and that's, that's a whole different mentality mm-hmm. that he's trying to establish on this defense, and that's where they set the tempo. And a lot of, I know a lot of people were upset. They felt the Chiefs reached there. They felt the Chiefs moved up, but like, like you've said a couple times, time will tell, and if it tells on the way that Brett Beach thinks it does – people are going to regret their words. Veach has been high on this guy. I mean, at, at, since this has come out, we've heard that he almost wouldn't shut up about him. I mean, is is it? do you agree with this assessment that he's that great of a player, or do you think, you know, kind of a, a wait-and-see mentality also? For me personally, I'm taking a wait-and-see, but I personally haven't watched as much tape as Brett mm-hmm. Veach has on him. Sure, of course. Right. Brett Veach and that coaching staff have watched his entire career. They're not taking uh, – so they don't. They really don't take a player unless they've watched every single game that they've been in and every single snap and know that player 100% and what they are or aren't. So in that regard, I'm going to defer to them because that's what they do for a living, and I only got to watch about four of his games while they watched probably 30-plus on him. So in that aspect, I'm, I'm deferring to them to – I hope it works out well. I at least like the direction they went defensively with that and the mentality that they were willing to create. I personally, just from what I watched, I thought they were going to go a little bit more speed with Lorenzo Carter, the outside linebacker from Georgia, and that's who I had in my mock draft. But they still took the edge rusher early on, and that they needed that regardless of who the player was or wasn't. All right, so we get into the third round here, and this is going to be a pick 75. They take a D-tackle from Florida State. Tell us what you know about him. Yeah, Derek Nadi, he uh he's a very talented nose tackle and he's a he's a physical force. Like I when I when I ended up watching when I was able to watch him, I thought I, the thing with Dorsey and this is where I got to learn Veach's preference and style. So that's what I personally enjoyed about this draft that's going to help me down the road when looking at what players he may or may not want. Um he diverted a little bit from Dorsey where Dorsey wanted more athletic, more fluid in the hips type of players. And Veach was willing to take the big, powerful guys that hold the line of scrimmage and don't have to have the best of both worlds in terms of athletic ability and strength. So for that, Derek Nadi is uh, he's a powerful man. I, that guy, I saw that guy take on some doubles and triple teams at times and hold the line of scrimmage, which the Chiefs haven't been able to do since mm-hmm. Don Terry Poe's back was healthy. I mean, Don Terry Poe did the best he could even when his back wasn't doing well after the surgery and even before the surgery, but – um. Yeah, it, this past year with Benny Logan, it just it wasn't working out for him. And Benny was getting turned a lot, and he uh, mm. he wasn't having the he, he was having some troubles at the line of scrimmage. So they had to move on from that. But not a I, I saw him take a guy, grab him by the shoulder pads, and toss him to the ground like a rag doll. And this is a three hundred plus pound center, and he just effortlessly just did that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's some superhuman strength, some incredible strength right there. 
And the way he can split a double team, he does a good job with that. And he's going to be a force that can hold the line of scrimmage. I know Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network compared him to Brandon Meebang. And I saw some Glenn Dorsey in him with the way his athletic ability moves. So I think I think he's kind of in between there. He's not going to be the guy that rushes the passer with lightning quick speed, but he's the guy who's going to collapse the pocket on the quarterback to make him antsy. Okay. I like this. I like the defense getting a little tougher. You know, it felt like they were getting yeah. rolled over a lot last season. It was just kind of heartbreaking to watch sometimes. So this is – Especially in that playoff game. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, hey, so – as Tim alluded to, there was a lot of defensive players here taken uh, in the 2018 draft and kind of taking a step outside of each individual pick. What do you think the the message is to the 2018 you know remaining uh, roster players? Is it that we're gonna get tougher, we're gonna get meaner? You know that playoff game is what sent up the signal that you know we're playing too soft, or or is this just? Hey, we need some new blood in here because, like you said, the Tom Ali's and the Derek Johnsons, you know, they've they've served their time and they need to move on, and we just need new blood. Or is it a combination of both? You know, I, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, for the way I heard Brett Veach talk Friday night in the press conference about the players that they drafted and the mentality they had with those three players and what they liked about them. I heard a guy that was still very frustrated and irritated by what happened in that playoff game and that it still bothered him that a team that is that a team that should take pride defensively struggled like that with what they had had resource wise over the years. And I think that I I just heard a guy that it got to him that they felt that they got manhandled by the uh, Titans like that and that they'd got manhandled by the Steelers in week six to kind of put them on that downward spiral last year. And then they've lost to the Titans and Steelers a year before that. And anytime the Chiefs have faced physical football teams, they've gotten their teeth kicked in more recently mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. And over the, and over the grand scheme of things that's happened from time to time as well. And I, I think that's where they've, they've decided we needed to, we need to go a different direction at quarterback. We needed to have new blood and new leadership and a fiery guy there that's going to kind of create a spark. And then we need to get tougher on defense because those are the things we've been lacking that have kept us from re- or kept them from reaching that AFC championship and keeping them from reaching that Super Bowl. So I think they want I, – I already knew they wanted younger, faster, cheaper players, but it also came in, a, it also came in crystal clear vision in the draft that they wanted – tougher, stronger mentality guys. And then as my uh, <clears throat> my coworker, Mick Schaefer of 41 Action News, the sports director, pointed out, if you look at a lot of the guys they got outside of Tremont Smith, most of those guys played in big boy football, whether it was Clemson or an SEC football team, where you play against a lot of very talented athletes on a regular basis, and you got to be tough. Well, speaking about Traymond Smith, and I also want to talk about Armani Watts here. It's a safety and cornerback, uh, respectively. Uh, I'm a huge Marcus Peters fan. I was upset that we got rid of Marcus Peters for whatever reason it was, locker room, front office, whatever it is, he's gone now. But with these two draft picks, is either one of these guys going to fill that role that Marcus Peters uh, occupied uh, on the defensive side next year? Well, I think with Marcus, the thing that the, – the first thing on Marcus, I think everybody needed to go their separate ways. I, it, was, it, had, it had been time. It was the right time where Marcus needed a fresh start. 
he needed to go to somewhere different. The Chiefs needed a fresh start too. And I think it I think it's gonna work out best for everybody. But I, I genuinely believe if Marcus uh, I'm curious to see how Marcus matures mm-hmm. over the next couple of years because if he doesn't, I think he's going to be like a keep to leave, and I think he's going to be bouncing all over the league every two to three years, having to get a new fresh start on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So that's the first aspect of it. Um, second aspect of it is, I Armani Watts is going to be. I think he's going to at some point. I think he's going to play the Ron Parker role where he's going to be down low, he's going to help and run support. I think he's going to be arranging uh, free safety that can do single high coverage if he wants to. He's very fast, he's athletic, he's a hard hitter. He's going to have to work on some of his tackling, but he's also a ball hawk as well. So I think he gives them what they want in scheme versatility between him and Eric Berry down the road, at worst case, if, depending on how long it takes Armani to get comfortable in the system. Um, but in the other aspect, with uh, Trayvon Smith, I think he's going to be more of a slot corner early on. Once they feel that he's ready and he's capable of executing the scheme, I think uh, David Emerson is going to be the quarterback on cornerback on the outside with Kendall Fuller. But Trayvon has the athletic ability that uh, a lot of NFL teams noticed. I think there's 15 teams total that were interested in him because he ran below a 4-4 at his pro day, and when that happens, Teams uh, teams perk up real quick when you kind of get in that four three range, and yeah. any better than that, and they uh, they really perk up at that point. So that uh, they're getting two athletic players, they're getting two fast players, and I, they're getting guys that again I think fit that mentality of what uh, what they're wanting to turn this football team into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every it looks like they they paid attention to every kind of of the trio if you're going to say you know secondary linebackers and de- and the defensive line so they also did get a linebacker which i uh, honestly when you look at the chiefs as you said in years past you could say there was a weakness at every step of the way almost so they got an outside linebacker and dorian o'daniel out of clemson as you mentioned yeah all of these are sec schools except for clemson which is essentially an sec school anyway out of the acc and then central arkansas which is still known for getting a lot of that homegrown area big boy talent so uh dorian o'daniel also you know here we go another tough guy well what do we know about him well with o'daniel you're you're getting the athletic coverage linebacker Hmm. i know a lot of people think he can play safety just because of his weight but Mm -hmm. i think they're going to put some weight on him over time as long as it doesn't affect his speed but i think they want to use him in the nickel package and some of their sub packages and their dime package and they want him to be that uh, that athletic cover corner because when you watch this tape like i was out there covering receivers which you don't see from linebackers on in in general let alone um at that level so it, it was impressive to see him cover slot receivers with without any issue he covered running backs out of the backfield without issue he obviously covered tight ends without issue and had the size to be physical with them and he has that Derek Johnson speed in his prime in terms of the close ability and the athletic ability and the coverage, the ability to drop and feel comfortable dropping. Because when you watch tape, the biggest thing you want to look at a linebacker is how comfortable are they backpedaling and dropping to coverage, dropping into zone, or how comfortable are they covering in general, or does it look like they're, they've been eating with their right hand their entire time and they're using their left hand now. It just looks confusing and they don't feel comfortable. And O'Daniel's one of those guys where it's, it's not an issue for him, so I, and I know uh, the scouting department said that he was a really good special teams player. So with that aspect of having him be a quality special teams player 
and then also being a covers linebacker. I think he's going to see the field more than people realize. The last pick that we're going to talk about is the last pick that the draft or that the Chiefs took, uh, the guard from Tennessee, Khalil McKenzie. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the son of the Raiders' general manager. Is that correct? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's Reggie McKenzie's son. <laughs> so, two questions. One, how does your dad not take you in the draft? And two. <laughs> How is your arch rival, or his arch rival, uh, being us, the Chiefs? How are we going to draft that guy? Because I saw, I saw the uh, video of when he, you know, found out the news that he was getting drafted by the Chiefs, and legitimately, the entire back row of his family and friends are all in Raiders gear, yeah, and they're sulking too. They're not even happy about it. <laughs> it's a funny. It's it's kind of a little funny side story to remember from the draft that year that. Uh, that people people could rip him up, be like, dude, even your own dad wouldn't take you, bro. Um, but but I mean, you know, it, it kind of it would look bad for his dad to take him, and then people try to claim, oh, you only took him because he's your son, and it just it creates a complicated environment. And then if there's someday football wise where you have to release your own kid, be like, hey, you, you know, I raised you and everything, but uh, you got to go find a new job. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, that's rough. That's my that's my bad. So you just you don't want to have that you don't want to have that awkward moment where you have to be the one that uh, crushes Ugh. your kids' dreams yeah. financially. Uh, and then, so I mean I think that, yeah, that was smart on Reggie McKenzie's part and and his dad Reggie McKenzie he he played in the league and he was athletic as well and he was a he was really good at what he did and his he inherited his dad's size because if yeah I'll send you guys a picture at some point but if you haven't seen it the guy has tree trunks for legs. Mm. They are they they are literally the size of a of a legit tree. I'm not talking like the the kind you see in a J.C. Penney's parking lot while I look around right now. I'm talking like a, like a legit tree, like a legit tree trunk that's been growing for forty to hundreds of years, and it just the, the dude's just a massive man. And I know the area scout Pat Sperduto was talking about how he he's athletic and his athletic testing. It was through the roof, and I saw Brent Veach talk about it in his uh, phone conference on Monday where he was talking about just, just how this kid tested in the top five of offensive linemen in the entire draft, and had he played offensive line his entire career, he would have gone very high in the draft, and he would have been in the first or second round just because of his athletic ability and how well he tested on those numbers. So you take his strength and his size as a nose tackle in the SEC at Tennessee – He's a strong, powerful guy. He could have played nose tackle if he wanted to, but if they think he can athletically be an all-pro guard down the road in the next two or three years, and, I mean, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school at California while his dad is obviously down there with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. But it, it's it, they took him in the right spot because that fifth, sixth, and seventh round, and it, those are the guys that you take that are the projects, mm-hmm. that you're going to that have the athletic ability but you're going to invest in them down the road and hope they turn into what the the first, second, third, or fourth round guys could have been for you. So, and I'm glad you hit on that. But first, Tom, uh, I think we figured out why Nick is at J.C. Penney. He's trying to find some pants that can fit Khalil McKenzie's tree trunk legs. Searching, I, I, can't he find can them. He can afford his own pants. He can afford his own pants now. Okay, okay yeah, that's them. true. That's true. No, but you you kind of touched on this whole. You know, uh, some of the later round guys are what we would say a project. Where hey, this guy clearly has the size, has some speed. If we get him here and show him the skills, 
uh, like you say, a couple years down the road, he'll be able to fill right in. Is there a normal range where you think, okay, people drafted, you know, one through three are going to be able to plug in immediately, and then with the Chiefs being not the greatest on defense, is that number going a little deeper in this year's draft, or are some of these guys are we just not going to see him this first year? Well, I, I think I think with Breland's beast, I think you're definitely going to see him. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be on a rotational basis. Uh, Nandi. I think will at worst case be on a rotational basis with Xavier Williams, but I think they're probably hoping, Hey, maybe by week 10, week 12, maybe he kind of sets himself apart. But if he doesn't, we have a rotational basis for him. Daniel, uh, or Dorian, uh, O'Daniel, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see him a lot quicker than most just because of his skill set, how quickly they can use that and really not have to, necessarily have him know the entire playbook because mm-hmm. they may just want him for certain sub packages and you'll see him a ton on special teams. Okay. So I think he'll be out there on a consistent basis. Armani Watts, I, it's all going to come down to playbook because I truly believe as soon as he knows that playbook, I personally fully expect that guy to be the starting free safety with Barry. Oh, wow. I think Barry's going to be the strong and he'll be the free safety. And I, I think if, if I think they're crossing their fingers that Watts can, uh, can can be that guy pretty quickly. Like I said, the reason he dropped his flaw was his tackling. Mm. Otherwise, if he if he tackled a little bit better, and I know they said his pro day numbers weren't as good as his tape was. So those two things is what dropped him. And had he had he had he done those two, he probably honestly with his athletic ability and everything, he easily would could have gone late second round, third round. That that's kind of that aspect. It's kind of the weird part of football is. Some teams put more emphasis on what they do numbers-wise and testing versus football tape, and then some go with football tape more than they do testing. So it just it kind of depends on the organization. Dorsey, Dorsey loved test numbers. I mean, he liked mm-hmm. football players, but man, that guy he would he would take uh, if a guy tested well, he would normally take them over the guy on tape that you knew what you were getting 100 percent all right so now as we're taking a step back from the 2018 chiefs draft obviously these guys haven't got on the field so we really can't grade the draft as far as uh how well these guys you know will be but your gut feeling did we do well did we do bad could we have done better what's your overall feeling about the chiefs uh 2018 draft i personally think that brett veach did what he felt he needed to do to put a stamp on this roster to take this roster to a different mentality and a different level. I think he tried to, to infuse that in here because see those, those guys drafted this year, they're going to be the ones growing up with Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. with Patrick Mahomes. That's mm-hmm. those are going to be the guys that are going to be with him the next four or five years as this thing grows and evolves. So if those guys down the road can kind of become the leaders of the team along with Reggie Raglan and, and Hitchens and, um, and Eric Berry and Kendall Fuller and the way they've done that, then that team grows together over time to where by the time Pat Patrick Mahomes is at that spot and is ready and that roster and that defense has built up that mentality at that point and they've grown together to where you really – you're firing on all the cylinders at that point. So this is – I think this is kind of more – I think it's a long-term investment. But at the same time, I don't – last year's draft was all about getting projects guys that were going to take two to three years. Luckily, Kareem Hunt didn't take that long um, compared to the rest of that group. And Pat mm-hmm. Mahone, Patrick Mahomes really started to shine. It obviously showed how much, he, how far he had grown from the first preseason game to that Denver game last of the year and some of the throws he made. So, But, but to, to no passing, yo, 
the second round pick, they're still kind of one, you know, they're still kind of wondering what he will or won't develop into. And I think Breland Speaks is probably going to get more playing time than Tenopasano will early on. It's going to be interesting, but I, I think personally, from a draft perspective, I think Brett Veach did what he felt needed to be done for this football team to finally start turning that corner. Okay. And also, he had to, Brett had to get rid of a lot of, uh, he had to put them in a healthy cap situation down the road because Dorsey had really put them up against the up against the wire where they were struggling each year just to create 10 to 20 million in cap space just to re-sign some players mm-hmm. and be in a comfortable spot so he had to make some tough decisions this year and he had to do some stuff numbers wise that set them up to where they can comfortably do what they want in free agency or who they want to re-sign down the road and they're gonna have to make some more of those tough decisions next year but if they do make all those tough decisions and with what they did this year, when I looked at it, best case scenario, they're going to be $90 million under the cap next year. Hmm. So at that point, they can do uh, whatever the heck they want. Yeah. And, I mean, so it'll, it'll be – I'm intrigued to see what they can do. And, uh, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. But Brevich really – he had his back up against the wall when he took over this team in terms of what needed to be done and how much needed to be changed the mentality – how much infusion needed to be made on that defense because they hadn't really gotten as much impact outside of Marcus Peters that they needed defensively, and they just hadn't really been hitting the way that they needed to. Mm-hmm. So Brett Brett's put them in a he, Brett's put them in a much better position for the long term to be able to consistently compete with Pat Patrick Mahomes. So then I guess uh, one last thing before we wrap it up then, uh, I guess the last looming thing, we obviously got a little younger, a little tougher, at least in theory, for defense, and as you said, they had to move some cap room around. The last looming thing out there is Bob Sutton, controversial figure right now. I typically kind of like the typical Bob Sutton schemes. Um, I like an aggressive, you know, get after the quarterback defense, which it looked like he strayed a little bit from. It wasn't just that. Hey, we had these kind of, you know, we had a Marcus Peter who was a bit of a, you know, cancer according to them. Was it just, hey, we were in a bad position. We didn't have great players. We had the injuries. Do do you still believe in Bob Sutton, or do we think we should have made a move there also? I personally, I I haven't been the hugest Bob Sutton fan mm-hmm. since the New England game in 2015. <laughs> oh, I got yeah. frustrated with him. I I felt like he I felt like he didn't really attack. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't remain aggressive. And I felt like the Chiefs really lost a huge opportunity to get to the AFC Championship to play the Broncos. Yeah. So it was a year the Broncos went on to win the Super Bowl. And as you saw the following week, Von Miller and that, and that front seven got after Brady because that offensive line interior, that Patriots offensive line at left guard center, right guard, were, were terrible. Mm. They were so bad that Bill Belichick fired the offensive line coach after the game. Wow. And, and because he, and see, and they were in the AFC Championship game. Mm. Most coaches would be like, hey, you know, we made it to the AFC Championship. We'll tweak a couple of things. Mm-hmm. We'll be fine. Bill Bowles, I said, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I already cleaned out your desk. Just go home. <laughs> Get so, out of here. Yeah. So, okay. so, I mean, that, yeah, that uh, with Sutton, look, they're, they're, Sutton cannot say that they haven't given him the chance to succeed this year. Sure. They, I mean, they're giving him Kendall Fuller. They're giving him uh, giving them, uh, Anthony Hitchens. He's going to get him. He's going to have Nandi at nose tackle. He's going to have another edge rusher. And they've given him another corner on top of that. They've given him some safeties. They've given Bob Sutton the pieces he needs to succeed. So I think this is going to be a very interesting year for him. And it's going to be a big year to kind of decide what direction they need to head. Because now going forward, it's all about taking the next step and what gets them to the Super Bowl. And if there's something that's holding them back, 
with the way Brett Veach has performed, not even a year into his uh, general manager spot, I don't think Brett Veach. I think Brett Veach is thinking Super Bowl and nothing else. All right, you heard it here first. Nick Jacobs, Chiefs are winning the Super Bowl 2018 or 2019. I guess <laughs> yeah. we, we heard it. I don't know. I don't know about that. I hope so, but I I, I know that's what Bravich has got his eye on. And anything it, it, I can tell by the way he talks, anything less than the Super Bowl is unacceptable any year. And he's willing to do whatever he has to do to bring it here. I like that. Well, all right. So where can people find you? I mean, we've been hearing you on the radio, but we know you're a Snapchat superstar. How can people find you, hear more of what you got to say? I would say just uh, at Jacob71 on Twitter. That's that's kind of the mainstay, and okay. that'll lead you to the articles at 41 Action News. Or, uh, But I'd say Twitter's kind of that's kind of the wheelhouse to, to mm-hmm. get what you need or to ask questions unless they're terribly inappropriate. <laughs> which there have, there have, there have been oh, some well, I'm out. Questions. I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Well, hey, man, we appreciate you uh, giving us your time. We know you're stuck in a parking lot waiting to, to drive home after these two guys who don't know nothing about football are done talking to you. So we appreciate your time and your expertise in coming on with us, man. Oh, uh, It's my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Tim and Tom. All right, Tom, I'm feeling a little bit better about the uh, Chiefs' defensive future. Uh, immediate future may be a little washy, as he mentioned. You know, some of these guys obviously may not make the field the whole year. Some may not make it for you know, most of the year, obviously, it's a, a huge jump coming from collegiate level to the National Football League. Will we see, you know, a defensive increased toughness and abilities? We would hope so. Uh, the The way they've been selling it is that they might not need it. They've been selling it like, hey, we're going to score 60 points a game. So, you know, if they stop one drive, we're good. It's basically how they're trying to sell it right now. Now, I don't know if they're trying to sell it that way because they know, you know, <laughs> like, who knows? It's always well, a, a crapshoot. It's it's one of those things where if you don't know what you got on one side of the ball, but you have, you know what you have on the other side of the ball, well, let's go heavy on that thing. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. You know what I mean? So you got Tyree kill, you got Travis Kelsey, you got the huge arm of Patrick Mahomes. You got Kareem hunt, uh, you got the, yeah. the, uh, uh, solar reptilian being Sammy Watkins now. So you got that. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, go heavy until the defense figures it out. And then once they figure it out, well, then let's then get back to some more balance and then hopefully produce some wins throughout that. Uh, so it should be interesting. Like uh, Nick said, there was a lot of projects um, in, those, in those later rounds. I still can't believe the guard we took from Tennessee, his dad. Think about the well, poor yeah. mother, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you want your yeah. son to do well, right? And that's your son. Uh-huh. But then if your son does well, that means your husband loses his job, most likely. <laughs> right. So, like, what are you doing? I yeah. don't know. It's just go to the NFC. That's what I would have done. If I was the GM of the Raiders, I would have been like, hey, my kid's good. Have you seen his legs? Check out his legs. Now, everyone on the NFC, take him. Because then, hey, you know what I mean? Like, you never know. There might be one game every four years right. or however that rotates. But yeah. with a divisional rival. Yeah. You're not being measured against somebody in the other conference as you are in your own, even like in the AFC. We're measured against AFC West, obviously. You know, how do the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders do? But there's also, well, the Patriots, well, the Steelers, you guys always lose to them. But, you know, you, we never hear that about, oh, these guys always lose to the 49ers. I'm like, well, nobody, you know what I mean? What, once every four years? Like, okay. You know, or the Super Bowl at worst. Like, yeah, all right, man, we're cool. So, yeah, that would have been uh, nicer for their friends. But, hey, I kind of like it. You know, it adds a little, you know, uh, they'll, of course, the commentators will talk that one up for years and years if he plays well. But I'm most interested in, he was a five-star recruit. 
He's awesome. Uh, he's defensive tackle, but we're going to draft him real late, and we're going to make him the best offensive lineman around. It's like, oh, all right, we'll see how this plays out. But, hey. Let's figure it out. Stranger things have happened. I'm excited for the football to start because, you know, we mentioned it, the Royals, not so enticing. Although, I'd encourage people, uh, if your summer sport was uh, baseball and you're not enjoying the Royals, also check out Sporting KC. They're doing really well. And follow along Nick Jacobs. He'll keep you updated on the Chiefs as that season draws near. And we got to take a break. We got to get out of here so Tom can come back and tell us about all the fun events coming up, right? Yeah. All right, definitely. Tom nodded yes. We are going to get out of here. We're going to take a break, and we will come back shortly to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, you're 100 times more likely to be bit by another human in New York City than you are to be bitten by a shark at the beach. And I may never take a never take a never time. We only elevate, we elevate us. Elevate. And I may never take a never take a never time. We only elevate, we elevate us. Elevate, we elevate us. Tim and Tom. All right, Tom, I don't want to work on the ranch this weekend. I don't want to have to do anything else. I want to do some fun stuff. Why don't you tell me what fun stuff I could do? Oh, well, I would be so happy to let us kick off these events. And as always, before I kick off the events, I always want to give this disclaimer. Uh, If none of these events appeal to you, please check out the reoccurring events at places such as Union Station, City Market, Power and Light, um, places in Westport, places in Overland Park, all of the fantastic uh, places in this great metropolitan. But here are some highlights that I think you would enjoy. So, Tim, here we go. Okay. May 5th, Saturday, 2.30 p.m., at the Kansas City Zoo, we have painting at the KC Zoo. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll be going to the KC Zoo and having a blast raising money for animals. $15 per seat will be donated. Please register uh, now. Uh, come to the zoo, which is, again, 6800 Zoo Drive, Kansas City, Missouri, 64132. Ages 10 and older are welcome. Uh, it will be held in the sunroom, which has its own entrance, and it's just steps from the main gate. Everyone who comes to this event must have a reservation. So do it soon because, again, this is this Saturday as of this recording, May 5th at the zoo, starting at 2.30, painting at the zoo. This sounds fun. Uh, and, again, like you're saying, it's going to a good cause, right? You're gonna, it's going to help the animals. You're going to get a painting. Uh, and who didn't enjoy the zoo? You're a cold-hearted person if you don't enjoy the zoo. Mm-hmm. Right. Just try not to think about it too hard. But right. the zoo is a great place. But right. Try not to think about it too hard. All right. Now, if that doesn't interest you, in the morning hmm. of May 5th, starting at 10 a.m., going till noon, oh, check out this. Our good friends at Donutology mm. have a glazed mm. donut soda sampling mm. at Donutology. So what they've done is they've taken the Polly Pops glazed donut soda and infused it with a donut the wait is finally over come by donutology on the morning of may 5th to get a taste of our new glazed donut flavored soda so you can get the donut flavored you can get the donut with the uh you can get the donut flavored soda flavored donut (laughs) and then you can also get the poly pops glazed donut flavored soda so you can get a two for one this is really meta 
Yeah, this, really cool. I like this that. Is a, this so. is literally some donutology right here. Yeah, that is the true definition of what that establishment is all about, pushing the boundaries of both soda, in this case, and also their main objective, donuts. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's fast forward to the next weekend. Mm. Actually, not the next weekend, but the next week. It's going to be May 10th. That's a Thursday. Mm-hmm. This, is gonna, this is going to start at 730 Got some good old country music for you here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who this person is, but he's at the Sprint Center, so he must be a big deal. Mm-hmm. But his name is Jason Aldean. Talking true blue. Out in the woods. Down home. Country. Yeah, Jason Aldean's a he's a big name in country. If you're not aware of country, he's he's up there. You know, the kind winning awards at the awards shows. One of the top names that might come out of people's mouths if you ask him, "Hey, who's your favorite country guy right now?" If you're a country fan, uh, but more kind of this style, right? He's a bit more of that dirt road rock country mix, kind of you know, almost the outlaw, you know, ish, uh, you know, uh, of country kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, he has ballads and stuff as are pretty true to country, but. Jason Aldean's not bad. Not bad. Okay. Again, that is going to be Thursday, May 10th at 730 at the Sprint Center, 1407 Grand Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, It's going to be the High Noon Neon Tour. Mm -hmm. So get your boots ready. Get your hat ready. Apparently, you can't wear hats unless it's a cowboy hat indoors, but whatever. Um, And get ready to be kicking them boots. Knocking them boots, boy. (laughs) Woo. Yeah. Get you a lasso. Come on with it. Yeah. I don't know if they'll allow lassos in the building. Maybe they will. Why not? Yeah, why not? They allow guns in schools. Why not? Lassos in concerts. The only way to stop a bad guy with a lasso. I mean, I'm just saying. Good guy with a lasso. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now let's move on. Uh, This is going to be Saturday, May 12th, starting at 10 a.m., going to 4 p.m., Oh, this one's going to get you all. This is either going to make you very excited or it's going to give you the willies. This is the Kansas City Reptile Show. Mm, Okay. Yes, it's going to be at 10100 College Boulevard, Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, Tickets are available at coldbloodedexpos.com. You are going to get every and any type of reptile at a brand new location. Again, it goes from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Double Tree by Hilton, Kansas City Overland Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the address is mentioned. Yep, two trees. Uh, daily passes eight dollars for ad- for adults, three dollars for children, uh, ages five to ten. Kids four and under are free and uh, are a snack for the cobras. Yeah, that's what I was uh, saying. They might get eaten by a snake. So yeah, there you go. Uh, so they're going to have vendor tables full of animals at every uh, show. There will be reptiles, reptiles, and more reptiles at this mm-hmm. show. Their words, not mine. Uh, there <laughs> might be some small exotic mammals such as sugar gliders and hedgehogs. Oh, cool. Sonic's going to be there. I'm going to yeah. try to throw some rings at them. Uh, so this is going to be, again, Saturday, May 12th at 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Kansas City Reptile Show in a new location, the Hilton Double Tree. I am not a reptile guy, right? Like you are. I don't have like the snakes and the and the lizards and the and the chameleons in in glass jars at my house. Uh, 
You're you're that kind of guy, right? That's no, that's all you. That's uh, no, and and not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. Um, but uh, this still sounds like it would be interesting to go see if you're just like I want to go learn some stuff about reptiles. You know, like what are we gonna do? Like let's go to the reptile show and see reptiles, reptiles, reptiles. I'm sure. If, if you go in there and willing to learn and, and interested in the stuff, you would come away with more knowledge and you could probably even fit in your head. Yeah. And again, I like reptiles in the sense of, I like to learn about them. I find right. them interesting. I don't like the pet aspect of reptiles. Yeah. Cause for me, I want instant gratification, right? So I can go downstairs right now, grab Joe's front paws, move her around a little bit and we're going to play, right. right? That's fun. Right. Yeah. And she's going to bark and I'm going to run and we're going to do all that fun stuff. And then she's going to lay on her back and I'm a pet her belly and she's going to smile. And we have some fun connection. A snake just sits on glass and you're yeah. like, all right. You can put them on again, my shoulders. Right. Again, that's for me. If you find that a snake is soothing and yada, yada, yada. Great. And go to that show. But for me, I prefer a dog because dogs are the best. Uh, but you should definitely go to that. If you like snakes and stuff. I like them, uh, like I said, from a distance. I like to watch them on planet Earth and all of those mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like them, them but on, if I, I find one in my house right now, I'm not going to like it. Right. But I've had like the, oh, are you afraid of snakes? Like, no, well, here's the one on your shoulder. Okay. And like, take a picture with it. I'm, uh, they don't give me the willies like some people. Like right. my dad is deathly afraid of snakes. Like to the point where I couldn't have the Jake the Snake action figure because it came with the snake. That's how much he hated <laughs> snakes. I'm okay. dead serious. That's a true fact. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, he hates them. Um, but yeah, you guys should definitely check out that. Now let's keep it going. Here's the next event. Now this is going to be some good old stand up. You're going to get the laughs out of you here. Saturday, May 12th at 8 PM at the starlight theater. Okay. We've got the new host, although I guess it's not new anymore because it's a couple years, but, uh, he is the host of the daily show, Trevor Noah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so Trevor Noah will be in town tickets. Uh, are, are available. Um, I would say it doesn't give a link here, which is weird, except for you can click and it just yeah. takes you to like, yeah, it. but anyhow, Google it, you know, Google it, whatever. Uh, gate time is 7 PM. Showtime is 8 PM. Trevor Noah, obviously a uh, very successful comedian, host of the daily show, uh, and a va- very great venue too, the starlight theater. Mm-hmm. So, well, Again, and he's got, you know, if you've seen any of his stand up, he's got an interesting backstory too that he tells very, you know, humorously. So it, it, he's, he's a good comedian. Definitely. And yeah, he has a different perspective than just the, I'm from here. I grew up here. This is my opinion. He comes from a different country, has went through his own type of mm-hmm. craziness with government and then comes mm-hmm. here and deals, not deals with, but observes uh, what we're going through and uh, gives his opinion in joke form. So mm-hmm. jokes on yuck, Saturday yuck, night. Yuck. Yeah. I like that. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, there's a lot of good options for me here, Tom. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Tim's favorite. You surf? You ever surf? I haven't. I've always thought I would like it, but I've never been on a surfboard before. The closest I would say I've ever come is is belly boarding, boogie boarding, maybe. I don't know what they call it. You know where you get that little like half a surfboard, you oh, go yeah. out on the wave, and you try to catch the wave. And uh, just doing that seemed difficult enough on the small little shoreline waves down in florida right so i could only imagine how difficult it is to surf for one right i mean that's it 
takes a lot of training and skill. And then, well, my favorite thing of the week is is a new record has been broken in surfing. A Brazilian surfer, Rodrigo Coxa, has officially broken the world record for the world's biggest wave ever to have been surfed with this incredible run at Nazar Beach in Port- Portugal being recognized as a Guinness World Record. I'm reading this off of independent.co.uk. The World Surf League, which I didn't know was a thing, confirmed the achievement at its Big Wave Awards in Santa Monica, California on Saturday night with the official height of the wave registered at 80 feet. So now, if you can't put that into perspective, I want you to picture a basketball goal, right? If you're standing outside in somebody's driveway or, or in the gym and there's a basketball goal, that rim is 10 feet from the ground. So times that by eight, and then put a guy on a surfboard up at the top of that, right? I mean, that's really up there, really dangerous, really impressive. And you can catch the video. It's all over online. But I don't even know what goes to a person's mind to be like, yep, getting on that one. Or if it was even that big when it started, and he was like, uh-oh, 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 <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I don't even know, man. I, and how you come out of that safely is just mind-boggling to me. So it's pretty intense, pretty neat, and it was my favorite thing of the week. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, just to see it uh, is very awe inspiring as an outsider. I can only imagine being like at the actual beach observing someone on that type of wave. Incredible. Incredible. Definitely doesn't make me want to do it anymore, but still still would be fun. Um, Thinking about Boogie Board. Yep. Yeah. So credit to him. Tom's favorite. All right. So my favorite thing of the week. Yeah. is goes back to my childhood. So okay. I'm I'm a kid of the early 2000s and in the early 2000s the number one show during high school if you were in high school from 2000 to 2004 like I was mm. was TRL mm-hmm. and the number one band and this is arguable or debatable uh, was in sync. Mm-hmm. So flash forward or, or fast forward to 2018 and now in sync has received their star on the Walk of Fame. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah. Oh, if you could see Tom now. <laughs> yeah, NSYNC definitely, um, you know, that, that era was known for boy bands, as it were, but I would definitely say NSYNC's probably the one that had the most lasting. You could argue a Backstreet Boys in there, but... I mean, well, you know. Yeah. So to me, let's just get in this quick debate before we get out of here for the week. To me, Backstreet Boys were the better band, but the best talent of all of them was Justin Timberlake. Yes. And I think that's why he I think that's why NSYNC gets remembered a little bit more favorably than they should be. Because mm, yeah. Backstreet Boys killed it with the record sales, killed it in the number one spot on TRL every single day, it feel feels like. But the number one talent between all of them. Oh yeah was JT. It was like you had it was like you had uh the 90s In sync is the calves of now. <laughs> well no, it was like I was gonna I was gonna use a basketball reference. Okay. It was like the Backstreet Boys were the ninety six Bulls that had the seventy two wins and won the championship. Right. But in sync was the Lakers, and they had Kobe and Shaq. Well, yeah. So what I'm arguing now is like in sync is like the Cavs now, where they've got LeBron, right, the best talent, right, mm-hmm. out on the court on any team, but the most complete team maybe the Warriors, right? Right. <laughs> so they exactly. right exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, right. definitely. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. JC Shaze is Kevin Love. <laughs> but hey, another <laughs> quick thing I wanted to state about that is 
uh, NSYNC going into the, or not into the Hall of Fame, but on the uh, Walk, Walk of Fame. Yeah. yeah, the star on the Walk of Fame. You know who inducted him? Who's that? Goes hand in hand with NSYNC. Carson Daly. Oh, yeah. That's right. Of course. I mean, who was, who was the narrator for their of success of that? Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if Eminem, Korn... Backstreet Boys, now in sync. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like any of those, also get a walk of or a star on the walk it's of fame. Carson, like Carson Daly. Daly, yeah, it also uh, has to be him. Fun fact: My wife watches The Voice, and Carson Daly hosts that. Uh, I've oh, ever watched it. Okay, so nope. you know The Voice, the TV show, The Voice. It's a I'm singing it, competition. Yeah. Yep. So he yeah, hosts yeah. it. So they were, yeah, essentially. So they were, um, they were uh, doing a fan picked songs right the competitors had to pick what the fans picked online right and then they would have some notable fan of their right leader of their fan club or whatever announce it right and one of the people had this little girl right i mean probably a little but teenage girl right and she's got a sign and she's gonna announce it and he was like well, this is great this is reminding me of the trl days <laughs> i was just like yes it's exactly there what that go. show was yeah so yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, NSYNC definitely deserving, I think, of the Walk of Fame. I mean, they definitely oh, with all the records they sold and influence yeah. they had during that time, of course. But well, yeah. they just hey. epitomize that genre and time. You can just say NSYNC and you automatically know what we're talking about. Bye bye. Turn that yep. back up for me. Oh, it's the end of the video. Oh. Tim and Tom. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Nick Jacobs, 41 Action News, and giving us the lowdown on the Chiefs and predicting another Super Bowl victory there, man. Nick Jacobs, every time he comes on here, man, we just uh, feel like the Chiefs are unstoppable. Unstoppable, man. Uh, well, they may be unstoppable. They're going to be able to stop anybody else, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out in a few months. But other than that, we, you know, stop believing nonsense. Stop allowing everybody to just say their opinion is just as valid as somebody else who knows what they're talking about. Or the, that states facts. Right. That's our, uh, yeah, facts matter. When did that, like, can we do that? I mean, yep. just true facts matter, right? That's our, that's our statement. Well, we're going to get out of here. We're going to take a break. Next week, we have uh, a great interview with the Kansas City Urban Youth Academy, so keep an eye out for that and check them out and check out Nick Jacobs, and we will come back next week. Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the British Navy uses Britney Spears songs to scare off Somalian pirates. Tim and Tom.